This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Ruby. We're learning the core techniques and knowledge behind plant-based cooking empowers people and athletes to live a sustainable, well-fueled, and delicious plant-based lifestyle. Visit ruby.com slash nomadathlete to learn more about their plant-based programs. That's R-O-U-X-B-E dot com slash nomadathlete to learn more. This episode is also brought to you by Everlywell. Everlywell is offering a special discount of 20% off at-home food sensitivity, metabolism, sleep and stress, thyroid, and other lab tests at everlywell.com slash no meat. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Well, Matt, they have officially put up the Christmas decorations around town. Oh, yeah? It's beginning, beginning, beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. It is. We're not I even noticed, Thanksgiving uh, yet. My, my Christmas barometer is always the Starbucks environment. And uh, <laughs> once again, have they, they brought out the red cups yet. They brought out the red cups. They put stockings on the on the fireplace in the store and uh, went straight to the... As soon as Halloween ended, the Christmas blend was uh, was being brewed and served. <laughs> no mention of Thanksgiving blend. That is That has been phased out as far as I can tell, uh, which okay. is much to my delight. We're, we're moving towards a Thanksgiving-less world. <laughs> With, uh, I mean, Black Friday sales have started uh, all across the internet, <laughs> and um, you know, Christmas is here too. So you know, it's just it's like kind of like November doesn't even exist, I, right? Exactly, <laughs> and it is it is one of the worst months. So if we could actually just eliminate November, I, I don't think that would be. A <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. It's one of my favorites. It's really. I feel like I feel like October's nice. September's nice. It's be getting a little bit crisp in the air. You get the Oktoberfest beers coming out. Uh-huh. Halloween is a good holiday, and then and then it just gets like this wet, cold. Not snow yet, but just 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 a bad month. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, well, okay. Agree to disagree. <laughs> I guess. <Okay. laughs> but, but this this weather because it it's been beautiful around here. Uh-huh. Um, and like we're in the '60s during the day and crisp at night, and uh, that that's that's my favorite, man. That's that's great because December, or January, it's just going to get so cold and dark. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, true, it does. Well, you're about to head out uh, tomorrow morning to the Spartan race. I am. That is true. Running a half marathon, which should be fun. My first race of that distance in many many years. You feeling trained? Uh, I was, and then I kind of stopped training in the past two weeks or three weeks. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I mean, I still been doing kettlebell work, but I just haven't been doing long runs. Uh, I don't know; it's my same old struggle with long runs. Um, but it's fine; I'll I'll be totally fine. So I I don't know. I mean, I, I assume I will, and if I am, then I will say, hey, you know, I'm my plan is going well. I'm in shape and able yeah, to do these things go. without having to do too much long run. But uh, but yeah, it'll be really fun. I'm looking forward to meeting lots of people. I hope at the uh, 50k and 100k because we'll be kind of at the finish line in our in our booth. Um, awesome. So it should, should be a, just a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to hear all about it. I know and that, did you, uh, you see Mike Wardian is, is also like co-hosting? No, I didn't yeah, realize he was Former Nomad Athlete Radio podcast guest. I think two-time guest. Two, yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's, we've done a couple things with him. You gotta, you gotta make sure, make sure he knows that you're there. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I, I saw an email from Spartan and, uh, it said there's a, there's like a shakeout run deal, 5k, Thursday night. I won't be there or tonight, I guess. Uh, okay. I, won't, I won't be there. But uh, so I hope he's there for the whole weekend doing stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Dean is. I don't know about him. But yeah, I thought it was a, thought it was a big deal. 
Awesome. Just because he's a plant-based runner. It's good they, they would bring him in for this. Yeah, yeah. Plant-based runner. And then so he's so he's he's co-hosting, you're co-hosting, Dean's well, hosting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm actually co-hosting. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> athlete is co-doing the event. No. <laughs> no. Yes, it'll be, be fun though. And then uh and then next week my wife Erin has her fifty K. Which yes, how was originally going? gonna be the Spartan race, but then she had all these falls on uh trails, so she she found a road race. Uh and I think it's I think it's gonna go well. She's I mean she's having a little bit of the as always happens. It's just I don't know why it does, but it always does. Those the last long run or two where things start hurting and then you get scared that something's gonna go wrong in the race. So she's having a little bit of that, but uh, mm-hmm. pretty minor, all things considered. And uh, the course is <clears throat> I think fairly friendly. It's mostly flat roads, um, three like three ten and a half mile loops. So. Mm-hmm. Not, I don't think too much can go wrong in the race, but who knows? Uh, but it'll be fun to support her and get the kids out there and just, uh, I don't know. It'll be cool. I never, never envisioned my wife an ultra runner. I mean, I guess I did because I suggested the tour a long time ago, but, uh, that will be, that would be a really cool accomplishment. Yeah, that is awesome. We we were texting, I was texting with her a little bit when she first made the transition to like push back, push back the race. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I just think it's awesome what she's doing and, and can't wait to hear about it. She, uh, as as we've said before, she's following your plan, your ultra marathon roadmap plan to the letter, and she, I mean, literally to the letter. She, she, when she follows plans, she does not deviate a bit. <laughs> and if it says five to seven, she has to do seven, like on a. Tournament. Oh wow! Okay. She yeah. just is that type of person, and so a lot of days she's out there doing it, and like, and she's like, well, I don't know, I, I think I maybe I need to switch this five mile run with this seven run mile run. Do you think that's okay? And I'm like, of course, like Doug wrote this plan. He, he doesn't know. He just, Doug just put numbers down on the sheet. Just do, <laughs> do whatever. <laughs> which, which is not meant to be an insult to Doug, to you. It's, it's, it's really just, cause I've written plans too. And it's the same way. And, and you realize that anyone writing plans is just, it's not based on like a, a scientific. An exact science. Sure. Right? Cause it's a general plan. I mean, you know. Hundreds of people are using this thing. Like right. you can't, and you never know what's going to happen in the training. Who, what, who's mm-hmm. going to be hurt when? And I mean, it's just meant to put stuff down. But the fact that that you, I don't know, it's just an easy kind of, uh, I don't know what the what the word is here, person just to point at and say, look, <laughs> he wrote this. You just do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad I can. Uh, I'm glad you can uh, be your. I don't know. Whatever. Entertainment. Exactly. I don't have the word. <laughs> Punching yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's been honestly, it's been a very good plan. And like I said before, uh, she first looked at Brian Powell's plans, and his his things are, I think, for more well, the longer distances. And he's a very accomplished, you know, ultra marathon guy, um, ultra marathon author, I should say. Um, but you know, she looked at that, she looked at yours, and yours is just to me and to her was like just so much more practical and and like mm-hmm. I don't know, friendly. So so it's been a great plan for her. I don't mean to. Uh, to bash only only kid and fun that's all right my ego is is already beaten down <laughs> after years of podcasting <laughs> with you <laughs> no. that's funny. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of of being beaten down today we're gonna talk about, ha- talk about happiness yes that's right the opposite of being beaten down yeah <laughs> sort of kind of uh well i mean if you have it then it is yeah um no, this so this episode was kind of sparked. We, we've we've spoken a lot about happiness in the past. We, mm-hmm. um, I've had full episodes on it, and uh, uh, I think one did we do an episode on the blue zones of happiness? Or yeah, we had Dan Butner on 
an interview. For, for the happiness. That was for the for... happiness one, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we had that episode. Um, we had another when I was reading those flow books by the mm-hmm. guy. Who, I never know his name, unfortunately. But um, very good books. And he talks a lot about the happiness and distinguishing between two types of happiness, which is, I think is what you, you brought up and wanted to get into today. Um, and we've talked also a little bit in the past. I was just trying, as I was preparing for this, um, I was trying to think of, you know, the different things we have said about it before. And I know, I don't know if it was a full episode or not, but we talked about this idea of untangling goals from your happiness. Cause we always talk about goals on this mm, show. Mm-hmm. And so there's this idea. I first learned it from Vishen Lakiani from Mind Valley, uh, that you, you know, goals can be really good, but they're not that good when your happiness depends on the achievement of the goal. Like if your happiness can be based on the progress towards it and the day-to-day, you know, work that you're doing, um, you know, ultimately it doesn't matter whether you get the goal or not. And that, to me, that is really the, the very best way to, to kind of balance the two, the need for goal setting, which is supposedly sort of happiness in the future and, you know, being happy right, right now with what you're doing. So anyway, much easier said than done, of course, but, uh, but I do like that approach. Yeah. So well, you, I was I was listening to that? an episode of uh, the Making Sense podcast. Do you know that one? Sam Harris's podcast. I do not. Do you know Sam Harris? I know Sam Harris. Yes. Yeah. I He's a. You love him? I said. No, I said I know of him. I don't know him personally, no, but okay. I've read one okay. of his books and like. I I first got really interested in Sam Harris because I used his um his app, uh, which is called what? Oh man. Uh, his meditation app. Oh mm. man, what is it called? I quit using it because paying for it but um oh it's great the, his, it, the way i got into meditation oh waking up waking up no oh, that was the name of his book that i read yeah oh it is okay yeah um <clears throat> the waking up app it has like a 28 day meditation challenge and uh like your friends can like someone who has the app can invite you onto it and then you know you mm-hmm. do the challenge or whatever uh and that was really what sparked meditation for me in this kind of most recent uh hmm kick and and i've still been doing it uh i quit using his app i I now use a different app um but it i don't know it just really got me into him and then his podcast is is about anything it's it's similar style i guess to like ritual really long form um -hmm. discussions with experts does the app uh does the app offer psychedelic drugs as an alternative to meditation on some days if you just don't feel like doing it (laughs) It doesn't. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the book was all about. Was the, I mean, not, it wasn't all about that, but a lot of it was. Mm. It it does not, but uh, <laughs> but you know, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's uh, not frowned upon. <laughs> no, but he had an episode the other day um, called "The Limits of Pleasure," and and the guest was Paul Bloom. You know, Paul Bloom. Do not. I did not either, and I don't have his credentials, but he is a a well. Um, published Happy happiness guy and and the, you know they were really talking about they're talking about like suffering versus meaning and kind of ha- how to find like general happiness so not it wasn't so much about like instant pleasure mm-hmm. although there was a little bit about that and i want to talk about uh about some of the things they were saying as well but uh really you know just kind of like how to find overall happiness and satisfaction with life and the research behind that mm-hmm. uh so it got me thinking you know i, I I, it just got me thinking about happiness in general, happiness in my life, what is making me happy, how I can kind of uh, focus on the things that are that bring me more joy, bring me more happiness, more meaning and satisfaction, and mm-hmm. less on the stuff that uh, that doesn't. Um, and 
and so that's kind of why I want to talk about today. And and I think we're you know we'll use some of the stuff from the podcast, but also the Blue Zones of Happiness and Dan Butner's um, advice, and, and just kind of have a general discussion about it. Yeah, good. I like that. Um, it's a, I mean, happiness is is, a, I don't know. It's a, it's a strange topic, right? Because I mean, first of all, like the whole thing about a lot of people that's their answer like what's the purpose of life and it's to be happy and there's just this sort of like assumption that happiness is is the is the ultimate goal like if you can just find a way to own, to mm-hmm. be happy then it doesn't matter everything else it took to get there as long as you're actually happy then you're you know then your life is is well spent or you're you're winning um and even that is is i mean i guess that i guess it's almost kind of true in some some by definition sense but like then it depends on how you're defining happiness. And I think that yeah, the huge, right. Like what is thing, happiness? Yeah. Right. And, and the huge important thing, and I think different books and different approaches treat this split in different ways. But like the most important thing is to realize that happiness isn't just one thing, uh, or that mm-hmm. there aren't just, there isn't just one side to it. There's this, and there may be more than two, but like there's clearly a difference between the very short term in the moment pleasure mm-hmm. and the the enjoyment that comes or the fulfillment that comes from doing something that is is hard and takes some sometimes you don't want to do it and takes some discipline but you eventually you know you you build this lasting sort of happiness in that way um Mm -hmm. and sometimes those are at odds with each other right yeah oh sure right because like because it doesn't often it's like it would be much more pleasurable in the moment sometimes to just drink a beer and watch tv than Uh go for the run but going for the run consistently is what is what leads you to you know being fit and one day accomplishing whatever it is you're trying to do, or just just having the knowledge that you're someone who who does that. So like yeah, like they're yeah. completely opposite things at times, I guess. But anyway, um, it seems like that's whoever's presenting it. Like there's always that difference, whatever whatever name they're giving to it. Um, and I think in the Blue Zones of Happiness, he had those three P's, which was like pleasure purpose and pride and i think the pleasure is sort of the, the one we're talking about this more the maybe a little bit easier to get and then the, and then the pride and purpose are more um about this this more lasting form but even that's it you know there's more nuance than that because even the i think he talks about some some countries where their whole thing is pleasure but they do it in a in a more holistic way it's not like they just do drugs all the time and say well we're therefore we have pleasure mm-hmm. um yeah so it's it's a complicated thing and i i obviously there's a lot of research on it nowadays with this positive psychology stuff, but, uh, but yeah, interesting topic for sure. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I think, I, I think it was Dan Buechner that maybe an article I was reading this morning to kind of catch up on stuff that was talking about, um, you know, the, the happiest people, the, the people that they research, the happiest people are the ones that have found a really solid balance. Just like your, I think he compared it to like a financial retirement portfolio, whether you, you're, you're balancing, um, kind of long-term investments versus short-term mm-hmm. investments that would, you know, have a higher profit. So like the, the pleasure part, the immediate joy, you know, having uh, a beer with some friends and laughing a lot and that will give you kind of instant pleasure, instant gratification uh, versus and in balancing that also with the longer term stuff. So you can't be all one, you can't be all the other. Um, but if you can, if you can find a way to, to meld the two and, and really make sure that you have both in your life, then, uh, then that's kind of the key to quote unquote happiness. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, go ahead. Um, I think it is it is further complicated, and I'm I'm not that up on things, but like I, 
there are also just all these different factors. Like you just mentioned having a beer with friends. And I know in Dan Buettner's stuff, including in the other, the Buzons, the health side of the Buzons, but there's always this big focus on, on social interaction. And I think in that mm-hmm. article you're talking about, he talked about people who are happiest are having six or seven hours a day of social interaction with people, in-person, actual interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is and unfortunate because like, I, I spend all of my day in an office. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Yeah. I mean, right. I guess if you live, if you have a family, then you have some interaction mm-hmm. that way. But uh, I'm sure there are diminishing returns to that. Just because it's eventually it's not the same as hanging out with a friend because it's you have it all the time. Um, but anyway, but like so, like there's that thing, and then there's financial security, which mm-hmm. which is like a, a necessary part. It's not that money just keeps making you happier and happier, but there is a baseline level of of uh, certainty that you kind of need to achieve in order to be happy. Um, and maybe that's maybe there are people who who skirt that by finding certainty in something completely different from my people who, you know, intentionally live without any possessions. Um, but I, but I think that if people are doing that, then they're, they're finding financial security in other ways, right? They're, they are, they are eliminating the things that, uh, you know, you and I might have with a family and a mortgage and that kind of stuff. The, the, but if, you know, if you're living off of the land by yourself in the middle of nowhere and kind of as a monk or something like that, you don't need a lot of money. Right. They're still not worried about where their food is coming from because they're, well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. No, I'm saying but, they're not. I'm saying I'm saying they. I don't think I don't think people, many people who choose you know a, a lifestyle that does not involve almost any material possessions or almost any money. I don't think they're happy when they don't know where their next meal is coming from. I think it's just almost impossible to be that. Right? It's just a basic right, right. need that has to be met. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but so like I guess to me like what what I'm getting at is like there's all these different factors. And I don't know which of these, it's not like happiness just comes down to these two things, short-term and pleasure in the moment and mm-hmm. long-term fulfillment, right? There's also all these other criteria that seem, or factors that need to be met. Maybe they're all like somehow subsets of these two broader yeah, categories. Yeah, see, I would argue on. they're subsets, right? Exactly. Okay. So like, for example, um, community, right? Friendships. I think uh, in that article, and we should, since we're mentioning it, we should say what it is. It was an Atlantic article. Um entitled what? lazy person's guide to happiness lazy person's guide to happiness um in in that article you know it talks a lot about community it says i think i think it said something about uh for every new friendship you make you're 15 percent more likely to be happy mm-hmm. um you know those friendship community is probably both a short-term gain you know right. and and also a long-term play uh because you can have fun you can go out and like laugh a lot and that's short-term joy but it takes work and you got to nurture it and Mm -hmm. and all that stuff you know so that's long-term financial stability right right? i mean we all have kind of our financial goals money they're arguing that money can buy happiness up to a point right like not endless amounts of money will just make you endlessly happy but that a little bit of money or enough money to cover your needs and 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 make and reduce the worry of of how being able to put food on the table uh improves happiness and so that like that that's kind of a long-term goal mm-hmm. um what else did you mention uh you know environment was another big one um you know that that kind of stuff like where you live and that can that kind of thing can play a big role in, in happiness and that's that's kind of a long-term thing right so i, I would argue that that all of those things kind of fall under the either short-term or long-term mm-hmm. yeah i can see that um so i i'm really curious i guess if you have do you have more about this sort of struggle versus uh, versus just 
Well, I, I want to talk about kids because uh, in the Making Sense episode, they talked a lot about kids and how new parents are less happy than people without kids. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> as a new parent or as a parent of young kids, um, I, you know, I like my, my gut reaction was, was kind of defensive, right? What do you mean I'm not as happy as people without kids? But then also, I, you know, I'll be honest, like, I love my kids so much and I'm so glad they're my life. But there are many times when I'm like, man, it would be really great right now if I didn't have the kids. <laughs> right. Um, you know, if I could, you know, if, if I see a friend who is out, you know, like, who hits me up and is like, hey, let's, let's go play disc golf like an hour and a half away on this new course or something like that. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, that is kind of, you know, that would be really fun. Like that would provide a lot of kind of instant gratification. So, you know, I think kids fall into both this struggle thing, this the suffering thing that we that we might get into or that I hope we get into, um, and but also this kind of longer term play because the happiness level of parents goes up as their kids get older. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, I think that that's because it's just a lot less work. There's you, you kind of gain back a bit more independence. Um, but also then the kids kind of really begin providing a lot of that happiness, right? That community, that security, that, um, you know, I don't know, comfort that, uh, that comes from, from having, being surrounded by family and, and that kind of yeah. thing. And that sense of pride, that big, huge, which pride. is one of the beauties, you know, three big factors. So like, that's a massive thing. If you have raised a family and even, if, even if like, even apart from the enjoyment that ultimately comes, because I 100% agree, this is this is the. I mean, I've seen the data before, and I, unlike you, never was defensive. I was like, "Yep, that's how it worked." Like as soon as I had kids, I, you know, a large part of my happiness went away because uh, you just you just lose. I was just dependent on like having time to myself, and I and I lost most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes, but I I would say every single year since having kids is I'm happier than the previous one, barring you know weird events or whatever that just make me unhappy a certain year for whatever reason. But like, mm-hmm. it's definitely just been this trend in that direction. And now, have have you got you know your kids are middle aged? I'd say. Would <laughs> yeah, you say they're, that they're, they're forty five? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, <laughs> midway through their their life expectancy in your house. How about that? <laughs> not, not quite, I guess. Yeah, well, it depends. But yeah, uh, yeah, you know, they're, yeah, they're about half. Of. But so, are you? Uh, so, has it just been? Has it been? If you think back on how happy you were before you had kids, have you reached that point yet or have you surpassed it? I don't know. See, this is really weird because then this, it, it comes down to that that whole thing of like the different level types of happiness. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely have more of that, that, uh, you know, pride fulfillment thing around what, what my family is. Um, but I still have less of the pleasure time happiness. You know, just, just, and, and how, do, like, I don't know, can I add those things up and say this total level of happiness is greater or less than that one before? I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I, I have no idea. I don't know when, when it will, when yeah, it will cross. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I, I do, I think a long time ago we had, we did an episode. I was actually in Charlotte at the time at, at a soccer camp, oddly enough, and we were talking about parenting. Uh, we had an episode about parenting, and I likened this kid thing and happiness to kind of like a mortgage, like in the way that the mortgage payments are forced savings. Mm. Like it, it would often is easier to just rent a house and not be paying interest on a mortgage. And it may or may not be cheaper. It depends. But like the point is 
when you're making all these mortgage payments, like it's not that fun month to month to do it. But then at the end of it, it turns out you've you've saved a whole bunch of money without actually trying to save money. You just did it by paying money and and like living. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and at the end, yeah. you've got this great asset you've built. And to me, that's what parenting like has always kind of been. Like it's I don't know. It, it's not like it's a constant struggle. Obviously, there's plenty of nice things along the way. Um, yeah. But I feel like it's just it's this building of something that is increasingly valuable, and every year it's more meaningful and you know so and so I'm, I'm guessing this sort of thing even after the kids stop um stop becoming more and more independent and like you know even once they're out of the house i would imagine the happiness due to them sort of just keeps growing because you just have more and more years of this family and, and, and i mean family is a social connection that connection is hopefully strengthening uh so yeah i, I think i think uh, they go i think i think obviously they eventually contribute to that type of happiness yeah 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 i mean kids can provide you know young kids my kids provide a ton of instant pleasure right and 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 joy mm-hmm. um you know I, I i have a lot of fun playing with them and i have a lot of, a lot of fun kind of watching them try new things and grow and whatever uh they also provide a lot of suffering <laughs> a lot of pain <laughs> you, know, it's, right. you know like another bath time or or <laughs> another meltdown or whatever you know right um and and you just you gotta you gotta get through that, but uh, I assume I, I hope and and already I'm seeing this, especially with my older and she's only four mm-hmm. um, or about five. Uh, you know, I'm already, I'm already seeing you know it just, as it gets easier with them, as the like day to day stuff gets easier, you're no longer wiping butts. Um, it, yeah. There's just a lot more of the joy and a lot less of the yeah struggle. Right now, I don't have teenagers yet. Everyone says when you hit teenagers, it becomes massive struggle but i think <laughs> but i think there's also massive joy with that i, I can imagine there being that i mean you young adults uh-huh. who are you know experiencing life and doing stuff and I, I yeah mean, that's gonna be really fun yeah you get to like do things together you know right yeah i mean you're already doing things together but like they can be better at you than thing at things and that's cool yes all right um so let's pause for a second here to thank our sponsor but then i want to talk a little bit more about struggle and the sense of like okay. training and that kind of thing this episode is brought to you by Ruby, where learning the core techniques and knowledge behind plant-based cooking empowers people to live a sustainable, well-fueled, plant-based lifestyle. Ruby is the leading online culinary school that specializes in plant-based culinary instruction and is teaching more than 650,000 students around the world. They're different from a recipe site or other cooking sites as their lessons and courses focus on foundational techniques that transcend cuisines and can be applied across recipes to help you make delicious food every time. The classes are affordable and 100% online with high-quality instructional videos and assessments, but no Zoom sessions to attend. Nobody wants Zoom anymore, though. That is is out. (laughs) But what takes Ruby to the next level is their industry-leading chef instructors who provide personalized feedback on assignments and are available for Q&A. Now, I just got access to, to Ruby, so I haven't really you know, really dove in other than kind of looking at everything they offer. But you have taken some of the courses already, right? Yes. Years ago, I, I did. I don't know what the arrangement was or what, but I just, they, they made a deal with me where I could get in there and poke around and do it. And I could even, you know, do the course. I didn't finish the entire thing. Um, but I probably did, I don't know, a fifth or a third. I don't, I don't remember how much. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's no doubt, it is, it's awesome. I still, many of the techniques and recipes I still use today, even though, it's, you know, like I said, did not finish back then. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and like, I remember I had to like, a big thing on knife skills and I had to submit my, uh, submit my 
diced carrots and minced carrots and <laughs> brunoise carrots and you know, all these different sizes. Um, and you had to, you know, and then they were, they, they would assess it and say, this, this carrot, this thing's not too good. You gotta, gotta redo that one. Uh, yeah. but yeah, it was good. Very good. I love that. I love the fundamental fundamentals, focus on the fundamentals because, you know, I mean, we've been cooking plant-based for a while, but I don't feel like I'm a good cook. I'm a good chef, you know, so really understanding food and seasoning and dicing and all that stuff, I think would, will be great. Yes. Uh, Ruby has recently updated their popular six-month plant-based pro course with over 25 hours of new content like fermentation, grilling, food photography, Doug, for your Instagram, and meat alternatives. That's perfect for us. Love meat alternatives. Complete (laughs) with new technique videos and instruction and recipes. And for the holidays, gift cards are available for a great holiday gift. And that, that would be a really good gift to get from somebody. So consider that one. Visit ruby.com slash athlete to learn more about their plant-based programs. That's R-O-U-X-B-E. See what they did there, Doug? Root like a roo. <laughs> I like it. I get it. I get it. Uh, so R-O-U-X-B-E dot com slash athlete to learn more. This episode is also brought to you by Everlywell. There are certain things in life that are difficult to understand, but knowing how to feel your best shouldn't be one of them. Everlywell can help you learn more about your body so you can finally take control of your health and wellness on your own time. Everlywell offers affordable at-home lab tests that give you trusted, physician-reviewed results. Choose from tests including food sensitivity, metabolism, sleep and stress, which we both did, thyroid, and so much more. Here's how it works. Go to everlywell.com slash no meat and choose your test. Everlywell ships tests straight to your door with everything you need for a simple sample collection. Return your test to a CLIA-certified lab with your prepaid shipping label. Then your physician-reviewed results and insights are sent to your device in just days. Over a million people have trusted Everlywell with their at-home lab tests, including us. Including us. And I'm sleeping better because of it. I went on a melatonin regimen for uh, for a few weeks to reset my body's systems or whatever and and how did uh is is it helping i think it is helping i don't it helped for a little while the melatonin itself taking it to me has always led to weird kind of sleeps and feeling like i'm hungover in the morning and stuff but by the way it was not their recommendation that i take melatonin that was just i did a bunch of research uh it was one thing they said you could do but there's lots of other lifestyle sort of changes but that was the one that i felt like i needed to do and uh, i did it for a couple weeks and then when you take melatonin you're supposed to get off of it soon enough um, mm-hmm. And I do think I'm sleeping better now. It's, it's, I can't say for sure. I haven't tested it, but I, I guess I could look at my aura data and, and tell yeah. you for sure. But it feels like it. Well, that's great. I'm glad to hear it's working out for you. I, my, my results came back, and I was uh, a little high in cortisol levels at the wrong time and, and low in melatonin at the wrong time. Ah. I'm trying to make those lifestyle choices. Right. It's got to be it's I need happiness choices. That's right. <laughs> And for listeners of Nomad Athlete Radio, Everlywell is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash nomeat. That's everlywell.com slash nomeat for 20% off your at-home lab test. All right. Let's talk, Doug, about struggle. Yeah. Okay. So there are there are certain things that we do, right, that uh, on paper – don't sound like they would bring you joy, right? Like we, uh, you know, <laughs> I think probably everybody does that, but, you know, we're people who have run 100 miles, right? Like what what is good about, and I mean, mm-hmm. that 3 a.m., that 3 a.m., really tired, really kind of hurting and hating yourself at night. Like what is, 
how is that bringing you joy? How is that making you happy? Right. And, uh, you know, I think struggle, and I'd like to hear your opinion on this, but struggle is, is one of those things that um, can feel painful in the moment. But if you have a, a goal, it kind of provides this purpose, right? If you can get through it, then you can get to the other side and, uh, and you have fulfilled a goal. You've done something that you are proud of and can uh, have accomplished. And, and it plays into that pride part. It plays, it plays into that um, kind of giving yourself meaning. And that, uh, that is what is bringing you some happiness. Yeah. I mean, I think that's exactly what it is. Um, as you were saying that, I was wondering other, I mean, that, that to me is a pretty obvious one, like, especially when there's no prize. I mean, in most ultra marathons, it's, you know, mm-hmm. doing it for any medal. I, mean, I guess you get a buckle on some of those things, but like, it's, it's really not at all for the prize. You're not, no one's paying you to do it. All, all you get is the knowledge that you did it really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there aren't too many things like that. I was trying to think, are there more extreme cases where someone just suffers and they're doing it just to suffer and that's it. And and I think there are things like that. There are people, people do, you know, stupid things that are just, just purely designed to make them suffer. And then at the end, they, they feel proud that they were able to suffer for that long. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And I guess, I guess the pride thing is what you are building uh, when you do that. And somehow I feel like there's, more to it than that like i mean the running thing it is pride but it's also i mean for someone like you there's a lot of enjoyment tied up with it right the actual running itself and you go on the trails and like that actually is fun right most of my runs are fun and they bring me happiness you Uh know they're not suffer fests right right but you know I, i i say this uh not often, but sometimes, <laughs> you know, especially if it's been a long time since I've had a big race, I start kind of craving that, like, like wanting to get into that pain cave, wanting to kind of get into that space that, that hurts and, uh, and I'm struggling and I don't, you know, that it's no longer fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I crave that a little bit and I think, and it's, I don't think it's cause I'm masochistic or something like that. I, th- I think it's, I just, um, when you're, when you're struggling like that, especially, and, and I think we need to be clear about kind of intentional struggle versus forced struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause, cause I don't know that those are quite giving you the same level of happiness when they're done. Right. Um, but, uh, the intentional struggle when, when you're kind of in that, for me, it, it's like all I can think about is getting through that race, getting through that long run or whatever it is. And all of the other worries, all of the other stresses, everything else in, in my life kind of fades aside because I have this one focus and that's to kind of end the, the pain that I'm in at the moment and, and kind of getting to that point in where that's like, a, you have just this single focus and this kind of core, I don't know, drive to, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, I don't know. It, whatever, for whatever reason it, it, it makes me clear headed and it makes me feel really good when I get out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's a pretty, common reason people run ultras even if they don't say that it is um i remember in scott jurek's book he talked a lot about that that like that when you just sort of when your body is it's you know just stripped down to nothing left like like you just have it just feels like you have nothing left and you have to find a way to keep going um it, it there's something about that experience that we don't really feel very much in most of our comfortable lives um and you know, I think I think he talked more about the clarity in that moment that he actually got that like that to him was as close as you could get to um, 
I don't want to say as close as you can get to meditation because you can just meditate. But that was like the his most effective form, basically, of what people are seeking when they mm-hmm. meditate. Uh, for him, it was it was to get to that point. And I don't I don't know if part of it was like the like the ecstasy of sort of like realizing that you could keep going even when you thought you couldn't anymore. I don't think that was it. I think it was more just like when everything else was stripped away and you're just in that pain. And that's all you have to focus on. Um, somehow it somehow it is it is you know good for us in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, people, you know, rock climbers, I think are often studied for this and they're that, like that thing when they get in the situation where, you know, they they have to put a hundred percent of their focus into it. Maybe it's not quite the same suffering, although I'm sure there's plenty of suffering with, with, with climbing. Um, but there's at least this mental thing where like you cannot think about anything else, uh, or you'll, you'll die or you'll, you know, at least have a scare. Um, yeah, and that's how they tap into that thing. So I think it's kind of the same thing. Uh, I'm, I am. You brought up the thing about force struggle. Like with ultra running, you can you can quit at any moment, right? And it's fine. And in most cases, a climber could do the same thing. Like even the, I not all. Certainly, some of those free solo people who don't aren't having a film crew there with them, <laughs> right? If they just decide they don't want to do it anymore, they they have no choice, perhaps. Uh-huh. Um, or maybe they do have, but it was, it was, you know, selective as intentional struggle to like put yourself in that situation. Right. Okay. But, but what if you, what if you design some sort of, um, game for yourself where you're, where you're, you're putting yourself into a situation, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the, uh, the Greek mythology reference here. The guy who tied himself, had his, had his crew tie him to his own ship when he went through the, mm. the little street where the, where the sirens were singing. Yeah. But anyway, you put yourself in a situation where you literally have no way out, right? Like like a survival man thing where Michael Scott gets him in office where they, where they, where they have him drop off in the woods and supposedly mm-hmm. there by himself. Like, I wonder if that if the fulfillment comes from that that sort of thing as well. Like, if you put yourself into a situation where it is no longer your choice to be suffering, or it was, but now it's not anymore. Now you have to be. Um, mm-hmm. What if there was? What if there was billions of dollars if you were to win, and and uh, and if you were to lose, you were to die. <laughs> that would make for a really good TV show, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be. It's called Squid Games. I don't know if you got that joke. Oh, but. I did not. I, th- I thought that's what Survivor Man was. I thought there was like a reality TV with prizes yeah. for winning. No, just the most popular show ever on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, my my kids have been talking about Squid Games. and I, Oh, it's, they shouldn't watch that. <laughs> I don't think they watch it. They just hear about it all okay. the time. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. Anyway, anyway. Yeah, right. Anyway, but so like, so would uh, would the same happiness come from from that in that in that moment not out of it not once you're done but when you're actually in it when you have no choice is there is there any happiness there i don't know if there is <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe when you're done you're glad you did it but yeah i don't know i mean, I mean it, it, seems, it seems like then that's that's when you're now violating the rule of this certainty problem that, that i said like you sort of need this baseline level of like everything's gonna be okay if i you know right right and if you, you lose that then i don't know yeah Right. And, and I think, you know, so, so in that podcast, in the Making Sense episode, they talked a lot about kind of, I don't know if they called it for struggle, but that's, you know, what it was. So like uh, your, your parent dies or your, your husband or wife dies and you're just really struggling. Like you're just in a really bad place for a long time. And you know, there's this kind of saying, right, that uh, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of people will come out of something, a really hard 
point in their life, you know, they lose a job, they're homeless or whatever. They come out of it and they say, I'm a better person because of it. And uh, I'm happier now because I, I, I got through that and, you know, whatever. Um, but at least according to uh, Paul Bloom and the research he was kind of sharing, that's, that's really not the case. That a lot of the mm. forced struggle, um, even if people say that they're happier, that they're better because of it, um, that they're really they're not. That they, they still suffer. That, that suffer lingers on throughout most of their life. That suffering, you know, and that, those memories mm. uh, linger on in a negative way throughout most of their life. Uh-huh. Whereas the people who are kind of sacrificing something or having a big uncomfortable goal like running an ultramarathon or something like that, you know, that, that memory turns very positive very quickly. Uh-huh. And, and, it, and, and that happiness flips or that, hmm. that struggle flips into happiness very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, I always, when, when we, when we look at these, I don't, I guess they're studies. Um, and then we come out of that with, with the recommendation and, and like the things like, um, well, to, I, I'm not, I was going to give no example, but let's just stick with this one. I feel like there are, maybe it takes an exceptional person to take force struggle, struggle and, you know, use it to, um, whatever, you know, ter- make something remarkable out of, you know, or their character, to strengthen their character so much as a result of this, mm-hmm. that they truly end up being happier. But then the vast majority of people who have some, you know, tragedy like that, they they don't they don't have that the strength it would take to do that and and not, not judging it maybe they shouldn't it's it's it would be the exceptional person who does um and so i always i always wonder i guess about advice that like where we we take the average of what happened and we say okay so the result is for so that that stuff's not real that force struggle doesn't make you better but perhaps for perhaps for the right person um mm-hmm. it actually does No, I I want to be clear. I don't think he was saying, and I'm not saying that the good can't come from bad, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that that someone can't take a tragic event and and do good from that uh, and maybe change the world, you know, or change, you know, Mm -hmm. raise a ton of money for research or or start a company that, you know, that solves a a problem that that caused them a lot of struggle. But, uh, you know, I think that what they're saying is that on average, or I guess uh, for most people, when you have this kind of forced struggle, it's not necessarily going to lead to happiness when you get to the other side. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's true. But if you're listening to this and you and you later find yourself <laughs> in a forced struggle, I hope you don't just say, "Well, now I'm going to be unhappy. I shouldn't even try." Right. Instead, I hope I hope you will look. Yeah. Try okay. And find That's, I'm glad you said that. I'm really glad you said that. <laughs> I'm not trying to be a downer. <laughs> Um, and, and, and I'm not trying to discourage it because I mean, you, you can find, obviously, like we've all done it in, in some ways, uh, in varying degrees, of course. And, and some people, there are so many countless examples of people who have done really incredible things out of bad situations. Um, and, and, you know, I hope that everyone can strive to do that. Yeah, me too. So I, I will really quickly mention the other example this came from just because I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm bringing this out of nowhere. Um, we forever we always talk about the small steps approach to happiness, and mm-hmm. like if you look at the research, it says that's the way to change. That's the way that on average people most effectively make change. But the and I haven't seen this for sure, but my my sense is like you do find a lot of people who who you know flip the switch and then overnight they change and then they you know make something magnificent happen in in a year's time because they just make a decision that they're doing something, and 
I always feel like, you know, if that person just saw the research and said, well, small steps is the way to change, you know, like, like, I guess I think the research, when we, when we average everything out and say, this is, this is now our recommendation, we lose a lot of, you know, people aren't all the same, right? Some people are, are way better with one thing than the other, even if they're the exception. Um, so anyway, that's, that's why I think you have to think for yourself, obviously. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I like that. That's good. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, what else? So you, you talked about, I got a couple more things here. Okay. Uh, you, you mentioned um, when we were talking about the running and kind of uh, the intentional struggle and, and you were talking about the rock climber having like being like cutting everything else out and being focused only on one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, as I, as I've been thinking about my own happiness um, and, and reflecting on the things that actually bring me joy and make me happy in the short term and the long term. And then the things that, that don't, um, what kind of my biggest conclusion was that I am most happy when I am focused on what I'm doing and I can find a lot of joy from writing and work that I'm doing. I can find a lot of joy from playing with my kids. I can find a lot of joy from running, but I begin to that, that joy kind of begins to degrade um, and purpose begins to degrade if I'm trying to juggle a lot of things at the exact same time. So if I'm, if I'm both on my phone and playing with my kids, then then neither of them are, are making me happy. If I mm-hmm. am trying to juggle a lot of uh, kind of unfocused work because a lot of things are happening at the same time, then that stresses me out and no longer brings me joy in the same way that like dedicating an hour to like writing a really fun email or something like that would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and say, and even with running, like I, I often find that uh, recently I've been trying to have kind of longer phone conversations with family members and stuff like that when I'm on these easy runs where, you know, I'm running at a conversational pace and, and I get done with them and I'm glad I talked to the person and I'm glad I went for the run, but it's never quite as satisfying. I'm always a little bit less satisfied than if I had just gone for a run and not listen to anything or just listen to something mindless mm-hmm. um, and kind of focus more on the run. And uh, so I, I don't know if there's much science behind this, but I think there probably is because I know that like people talk about phones and social media and everything kind of degrading happiness in Mm -hmm. a number of ways. And and a lot of that is just distraction. Um, But that was the kind of the conclusion that I, that I've come to for myself. And and, and I would like to hear your thoughts on this of just really focusing my time on on what I'm doing and quit trying to multitasking or quit trying to be distracted in other ways, like do respond to emails while I'm on, while I'm giving my daughter a bath, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I was also trying to think of this, and I was one of the cool things about this podcast is like we've had the opportunity to talk a lot of times about things that we're into and that we think are making <laughs> us happy or whatever. Uh-huh. And then in hindsight, you read back about our episode titles and you realize we did this thing and then forgot about it. Um, and so I guess you know a lot of times things that seem like they're important or like they're it, like we found the thing, and then it turns out that it was it was just. And so when I step back and think like what actually does make me happy. Um, so just like you, I was trying to think like, what, what is the common principle that is always there when I, when I am happy, even if it's not always the same activity or the same, you know, thing. Um, I don't think this one matters for me that much. Um, and, and this, Mm. this got me thinking like, are there like, do different people have different happiness factors that like, they, it just, because of their upbringing or whatever, it's just, it's just sort of how they are. Um, 
or is it all about these universal things like you know with the, with the booze and stuff? It's mostly sort of universal recommendations to do this, um, rather than like you know explore inside and figure out what what really you know makes you happy. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like the focus thing, I, certainly. Like I have the same thing. Like I, I definitely am ineffective at tasks when I try to do both. Like if I try to work and and be with yeah. kids at the same time, like I'm just bad at either one, um, and probably less happy at either one. But yeah, I don't, but it's uh, yeah, it's not about effectiveness for me. I mean, because obviously, you know, multitasking is is ineffective for a number of ways. But like, you know, if I if I'm engaged with the bath, right, or if I'm engaged with playground time and playing with my kid, like that's gonna make me happy. If I'm at the playground, like half engaged or half trying to like respond to their calling at me to do something and half trying to work or something like that, then then it's just kind of stressful and it's it's not it's not fun, right? So right. And then, and then that, you know, and then that time with the kid becomes uh, you know, a pain point and not yeah. pleasure. But if I can engage and I can really like throw myself into that, then then it's then it's awesome. Then, you know, we can have a great time. Yeah. OK. But what if it's not awesome? Like what if you what if you have no interest in engaging with the kid and being on the floor and playing? And, like <laughs> then why not? Why not like half do that and also do something that's sort of engaging, with, which is on your phone? Well, I think uh, that that's why you end up doing things on friend, right? Is because. Like how often, like how many times can you, especially with my youngest who, you know, is, is one, uh, how often time, how many times can I like put the ball inside this little box and then like pull it out of the box? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like how, how long can you do that? Um, and, and that's why you end up being on your phone, surfing Instagram right. or, or, right. you know, Slack or whatever. And, uh, because the immediate satisfaction isn't there, but if I were to say, okay, I have an hour with Eliza. I'm going, or with Chloe, and I'm going to do something that will both teach her something and have her entertain her, and also uh, be engaging to me. Like, let's go for a walk and let's play with leaves in the on the trail, or let's, uh, I don't know, uh, cook something together. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm struggling to. You can't cook with a one year old, but you know, you kind of do do <laughs> let her get her hands in the mix and kind of move it around or whatever. Like that's mm-hmm. going to bring me a lot more joy than. Um, than trying to kill an hour, letting her put a ball in a box uh, while I am surfing Instagram. Yeah, I I mean this. So this just might be a difference in our personality because mm-hmm. it, for me, your kid example is my running example. Like, it, like I there are a lot of reasons I want to get runs done. Uh huh. Usually it has to do with making progress towards a goal, but I have zero interest in doing that run and like enjoying it, and so when you talk about putting the thing in the box and then undoing that and just doing that over and over again for an hour, that's putting one foot in front of the other running for me. Mm-hmm. And, and it's terrible. So I have to have a distraction to listen to so I can hopefully make progress on something else, which is how it ends up going. And I, and what I realized is that when I think about all the different activities at the times when I was really happy and, and enjoying myself, it's when I'm it's when I'm making progress towards something, and there are measurable sort of steps along the way, and I can I can see checkpoints, and I can I can see that I am improving at something. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not not meant just I am improving at something, but that I am making progress towards something. Um, and so, like, I feel like that to me is the essential thing. Like, if I'm if I'm happy in a given span, you know, of month, there's some sort of project or something that I am doing or into or something, and I can see the progress happening. And so that's like the common thing that's always there. Hmm. Um, and so I don't, you know, the focus, 
do I have to be 100% focused on the thing that I'm, I think it certainly helps to be focused on the thing that I'm making progress at, but it's not a necessary part. Like, like I said, with the running, like I can make progress in that without really ever thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. So, and, and who knows where these things fit into the the happiness thing. I mean, I guess they're, well, certainly they're, they're, well, no, mine is about sort of building the long-term happiness. Um, Yours is probably more the other one, right? It's probably more about the the focusing so that you can, in this moment, be present and, mm-hmm. you know, be experiencing pleasure in this moment. Well, even if that pleasure is not, you know, not the type of pleasure that comes easily, but like, yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's probably right. It's probably more of the the short term. Uh, but you know, I don't I don't know. I think it also goes back to purpose and meaning, mm-hmm. um, and you know, especially like work, work is a, is a good example. So let's forget about kids for a minute, but, uh, but kids is probably the same thing. Like work, um, if I can, if I can do a, a project and really focus on that project, kind of cut out all of the distractions, when I'm done with it, it feels like I've accomplished something and that's, that's a short term thing. But, uh, but it also, I can, I can see where it fits within the bigger picture of, of the, work we're doing mm-hmm. which is something I, I definitely believe in mm-hmm. um and and provide some purpose um so but and so it can feel it can feel like it it's a, a puzzle piece that kind of will will get us to our end goal right uh, which is a big mm-hmm. big thing and but if i'm like trying to juggle a lot of smaller things or you know a lot of people uh kind of engaging engaging with a lot of people all simultaneously I get through that and I don't, I can't see where any of it fits in. Right. You know, I mean, obviously like I know like why I'm having that conversation, but I don't have this tangible thing to, to see where it all fits in. And, and and it kind of, I I lose, I lose the sense of meaning and purpose of that day and how it, how it works towards our larger goal. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. And it's funny because that actually, I can then draw a commonality with, the thing that's so important to me, which is making progress towards something and seeing evidence that I'm making progress towards it. Mm. Like I said, having little milestones along the way that say, Hey, I just reached this level of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why the kettlebell thing has stuck for me because the book in this, I didn't design it this way. The book I happened to get is had, had that built really in nicely. And so it just has stuck. Um, and so, you know, so, so perhaps that's the universal thing is you actually need to, um, uh, what's, what's the word you said have a tangible thing um but it, i have read in the happiness research this idea about i think it was in this article that you wrote actually they talk about um having the pride room that well, that was one of them yeah having the pride room where you can just go and be reminded of all these things that you did but there's also the the um more common i think sort of general advice that like we should take time to notice things and we should we should actually like um you know, appreciate what we're doing, not just at the end of the day, like, you know, talk about all the things we did wrong, but like, let's appreciate the progress we made and the things we did and whatever. And so I think we're both kind of talking about that. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, though, that's one of Butner's things that he says that that never lasts. Yeah. So right, like the uh... design environment, which is what he said in our episode, like that was his, what seemed like the big takeaway message for me was like, you're not going to change your happiness by like gratitude practice. Yeah, you just like you need to just make permanent changes so that you have no choice but to be happy because now you're surrounded by all these different factors. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But again, that's a great example of something that I don't necessarily agree with. I think that might be right on average, but I think there are a lot of people who who can like make changes last um, mm-hmm. because they think about them a lot and they you know they're important. So yeah. I don't know, but uh, yeah. So we've arrived at that. We that we think we think uh, being able to see progress or see how of something you're doing is a is fitting into long term what building of something or <laughs> i'm trying to say your yours um i don't i don't know what you said yeah well yeah i i, I like where we landed i like kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe maybe different approaches uh but probably a similar result or uh yes. end goal i guess so uh, last thing, since it's almost Christmas and people are buying gifts, I did want to talk about something from that Atlantic, Ar- Atlantic article, which uh, uh, from the uh, Blue Zones of Happiness, um, which is gifts, mm-hmm. experiences versus kind of gadgets or toys or something like that. Right. And there, a lot of people talk about you know wanting experiences, but uh, you know oftentimes we kind of on our list of things we want, it's uh, it's usually a gadget or something that's going to give kind of instant gratification. And um, what Dan Buettner argues is that the the experiences are much better gifts when it comes to bringing people longer term happiness because not only do you typically enjoy the experience itself, but uh, then you have that memory, you have those photos, you have that that uh, that stuff to like draw on, draw right. upon. Yeah, I think um, he said they gain luster over the years. Gain luster over the years, yeah. yeah. So what are, what are your thoughts on, on experiences versus gadgets? Because I know you asked for a, a Kindle every, or a recommended Kindle every year. <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah, it's funny that I do that because I, I consider myself, I, 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 I guess I think everyone knows this and believes this. Like, It just seems like it's almost cliche nowadays to talk about how, how everybody's so materialistic, but if, if we just instead invest in experiences, then we're all happier. And everyone says, yeah, I'd rather go on a big, important, like, great trip than buy a new $3,000 TV. And I always agree with that. And I say, yeah, I don't, I don't buy that kind of expensive tech. Like, I don't, I don't care about that. Have you seen my phone? It's terrible. Yeah. Uh, I just don't. And I would much, much rather go take a trip somewhere. Um, so, yeah, 100% agree. I think, I think experiences are, are so much better. And I actually, when I read that, I was thinking about it. And I was thinking like, yeah, like when I think, because we went to Spain a whole bunch of times during pre-COVID and I haven't been able to since then, which has not been fun. But like when I think about those, like I I definitely experience a source of pride. Like, and to me, it does somehow come back to the progress thing. Like I feel like I'm building something like this library of experiences for me and my kids. And like we like start and then it got interrupted, which is painful that, it, that we couldn't keep doing it. But um yeah, like those things definitely, you know, they are lasting good things that I'm proud of and happy and neglect, like, you know, proud that we put that sort of thing first. I don't know. Just so like for sure, I, I 100% agree when I heard him or when I read him saying that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, me too. I think it's just, uh, you're right. It is it is cliche because everyone talks about it. But um, it's it's an important thing to remember because it's 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 easy to ask for those gadgets. It's easy to spend your money on that because um, for whatever reason you kind of want something that will make your life a little bit easier or you think it will or, or uh, because it's shiny and new and 
you like to have shiny new things. I know I do. Um, but you know, is that really where in the long term where you really want to spend your money? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was funny. I, I did not identify at all with the, of it with the interviewer. I think he said something like, you know, yeah, I hear that advice, but then I always think if I do a trip, it'll just be gone in, in a, a week's time once it's done. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I've never ever had that, that thought. Like I, it has never occurred to me that like that just goes away. Like I just, I, I think for me, like that's why you do that sort of thing so that because then you now, now have done it and you have, you have that value of having done it. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if other people were that way too, or if, if somehow I'm unique in that, but I, I did not, uh, didn't get what he was getting. Yeah. There. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I didn't, I didn't relate either, but, but I definitely understand like, do I want a ticket to a concert that's six months away and want to ask for that for Christmas? Or do I want like, I don't know, a new iPad. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I don't Depends know. Depends on the concert. Depends on, exactly. I mean, it does. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, if it's something that you're really into and it's like, that's going to be a huge, meaningful experience, then that be better than the iPad. But if it just like go to a, you know, you just go see music for an hour and then you're mm-hmm. done and then take the iPad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good. Well, this was a fun episode. Yes, it was fun. Good reminder around the holiday season. Talk about how to be happy. Yeah, because that's what Christmas is all about, right? Or well, New Year's. And... You know what? It does. It does bring with it a lot of family time and social interaction. And maybe mm-hmm. if we can all focus on on uh, you know the progress we are making in building those relationships and doing this thing that is is a happiness uh, factor. Mm-hmm. But it's but as we've identified, you have to actually you have to notice that you're doing that. You have to focus on that. Don't be on your phone. And. Uh, then perhaps you can be happier. Absolutely. Well, I hope Good. you're happy, Matt. <laughs> I hope this episode yep. makes other people happy. Good. Um, if you're going through something, if you're struggling with something, I feel terrible about <laughs> the way I framed that part of the conversation there. If you're struggling with something, I hope that Just you give find up. happiness. No, no, yep. no, no. Keep keep going on. And uh, <laughs> and there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel, I'm sure of it. Um, uh, yeah, but... But uh, thanks for another episode, and we'll see everybody soon. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.